Would you pray with me? Lord God, um, we are grateful for your grace. I, I know in my life that um, I didn't really comprehend the freedom that grace would bring me until I really could face the depth of my sin and not just give it words or language, but, but to really understand that sin had shot through every part of me. And as that became clear in my life, I began to understand the freedom that comes in your forgiveness and the grace of Jesus Christ. Today, Lord, may we be honest with ourselves, both about our sin, but also, especially, that our need is for your grace. To that end, Lord, I pray that you would pour upon me the gift of preaching, that my very frail and broken in human words, might, by the power of your Holy Spirit, become your living word, uniquely crafted for each and every one of our hearts. We pray this with great confidence. We pray it in the name of the risen and the reigning Christ. Amen. Well, today we begin what's sort of become an annual tradition, my summer music series. For the next five weeks, I'll base my sermons on different songs that have encouraged me in my faith in the last year. Today's song is by Cody Johnson. Cody is a country music artist who's attained superstar status in the last few years. Brenton, my daughter, introduced me to his music, and we had the privilege of seeing him live around 2016 or so when he was still a young whippersnapper. He was playing at the Rio Frio Music Fest on the back of an 18-wheeler for about 400 people. He was so talented even then. I just, it's rare. I don't call myself a prophet. I, that's not my gift. But I, in that moment, I thought, this guy is going places. And he has. But another thing I've noticed as I've gotten to know Cody's music is that Cody is also a strong Christian beginning with the inclusion of In the Garden on his 2014 album, Cowboy Like Me, he began adding a traditional or an original gospel track to each album. And his latest album, Human, includes his second original gospel song that is called By Your Grace. And since today is Confirmation Sunday, in which our confirmands publicly confess that they are sinners and proclaim that their only hope is found in the grace of Jesus I thought Cody's By Your Grace would be the perfect song. Today we'll hear Cody's song at the end of the sermon, sort of as a sum up to the message. Today's scripture from Paul's letter to the Romans perfectly describes the impact of both sin and grace on our lives. Paul writes, oh, what a miserable person I am who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ. This is the theme that every new member of a church, first time or for the 50th time, professes. That we are stuck in sin on our own. And the only way to break free from sin's bondage is by the grace of Jesus. Every time in this passage that Paul mentions the word sin, and it happens quite a few times in the passage we heard Katie read today, the Greek word he chooses is hamartia. I've shared about this word before. It comes from an archery context and originally meant missing the mark or falling short of the, 
of the target. I was at a friend's place not long ago, and they had an archery you know, range, and I literally missed the target. I mean, I didn't even hit the bullseye area. And so when, it, when I read that today, I was like, oh, I hadn't thought about that, like falling short of the target completely, right? Not even close. And our humanness, one surprising sin that many of us commit is not admitting the depth of our own sin. One surprising sin many of us commit is not admitting the depth of our own sin. As we look around us in today's world, the examples of such denials are legion, right? If you are anything like I am, the only sin that's easy to point out is the sin of another, right? Really, such self-righteousness has become the norm, hasn't it? I mean, when you look at what Paul is saying, he says... Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Our world today feels that way, doesn't it? It feels like it's dominated by sin and death. And we see that because there's a denial of sin on the part of most individuals. And most people are really busy pointing fingers at other people's sin and judging them harshly for it. But we need to learn to admit our sin, right? Scripture makes clear that God expects us to root out even the smallest of sins because it's like a rot within us, right? It's, it's doing work that's not good within us. James gets at this in his epistle when he writes, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him or her, it is sin. Boy, that changes the bullseye, doesn't it? It sort of changes what the target is. How often... In our lives, do we know the right thing to do, even the smallest kindness? Yet, in our selfishness, we choose not to act. Even in such seemingly innocuous moments, to God, this is wrong because we're not treating one another the way God calls us to. The way You just think about how much of the problems in our world are relational. How many of the problems in our world are the way that we treat one another in the smallest things to the largest things, right? What would happen between Ukraine and Russia if a different type of relationship were to be had? That's why it matters to God how we treat one another and that when we don't treat one another well, it is sinful. It is part of the brokenness that's in our world. For God knows that when we don't face our own sins, when we miss the mark in life, so to speak, we also deny the damage such mistakes inflict on ourselves and others. And when you think about it, at least for me, it is so hard to admit my mistakes, my sins, especially to become present to the impact my sin has on others. If you're in a close friendship or a relationship, if you have a spouse, children, parents, and you do something you know is wrong and you have to sit down and face them and become aware of the impact of your sin upon them, how your decision impacted them. I mean, really, it's hard to do. And so I think that's one of the reasons a lot of us just prefer to deflect. We don't want to really face our sin because it's hard to admit that we have really hurt or um, impacted another person. Because sin is real, right? Even if at times it's subtle. And as such, it can be catastrophic in its effect 
if it goes unchecked. And in response, Scripture teaches that as God sees um, sees this awful, sin-filled circumstance, right? He's aware of all this, that because of his great love for us, rather than judging us, which is what we deserve, he is willing to radically intervene and redeem us from the bondage in which we find ourselves. This is the story of the gospel. This is what we proclaim today as we listen to the confirmants profess their faith, as we saw Ben receive Uh, The sacrament of baptism, this is what it's all about, that sin is a problem and that God loved us so much that instead of judging us, he healed us by his grace. Dale Bruner, in his commentary on the Gospel of John, details how far God is willing to go to enact this redemption. Here's how Dale breaks down John 129, which is when John the Baptist says to his followers, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is what he says. Sin is the problem par excellence for the human relation to God. I intentionally, though in English awkwardly, kept all five of our affirmations definite article these. So I want you to think about this. This is what's in the Greek. It just sounds so awkward that they don't translate it this way, right? Look, John says... The Lamb of the God, the one who is taking away the sin of the world. Each definite article wants to make its own definite point. Jesus is not just one among many lambs, given by one among many gods, as one of many possible liberators from only some of our deep sin, for only a portion of the entire world. He is the Lamb of the, God, the one God who is the liberator from the entire sin of the whole cosmos. What a powerful way to think about this radical intervention. Look, the Lamb of the God, the one who is taking away the sin, all the sin of the world. When we realize the implications um, of John's unusual choice to include all these definite articles, right? It's obvious he's making a point. We begin to comprehend the depth of the problem that sin causes and why a radical intervention is required. Sin isn't some mild, cold virus that the world has contracted that simply requires the theological equivalent of Advil. No, sin is terminal cancer. And this is how much God loves us. Instead of giving us the judgment and punishment we deserve, God risks everything. He puts it all on the line to save us from this disease. I love how the youth put in their statement of faith today to save us from ourselves. We're saving us. It's not from what's out there, folks. It's not everyone else's sin, as bad as that is, and how much it can affect us. No, the fundamental problem is ourselves. God loves us so much that he wants to take care of that. And this is why we must face our sin so that we can be freed from it. And I want to say something about this, right? Because oftentimes, I don't know about you, but honestly, I really struggle with my past sins. Um, I don't know what you think about a pastor's life. Um, 
I can just say I joined Paul when I say I'm the chief among sinners. Um, I have had huge catastrophic struggles in my life that have affected me and those I love and many around me. And I have to say that in my life, I struggle with letting go of that past. I still allow that past to overwhelm me. I regularly have to come and lay it back down at the foot of the cross. And that's a good thing to do, but I don't have to do it. I don't have to do it. Here's the good news. Because of this radical intervention by Jesus, when we acknowledge the depth of our sin and accept his grace and forgiveness, just as our confirmands did today... When we do that, those sins are not only forget, for, forgiven, they're forgotten by God. Psalm 103 makes clear that our past is long gone when it proclaims God does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west. So far as he removed our transgressions or sins from us. But just because that's true doesn't mean we experience it. And you'll hear in a few moments, I love Cody Johnson's vulnerability in sharing his struggle with accepting such forgiveness. In the very first verse, he says, I live with a past I can't get past. And it still haunts me. Cody is not alone is he? If you're anything like I am, this is a regular part of my struggle with faith. If we don't, though, do the work and allow God's grace to reach into every part of our lives, then it's going to continue to haunt us, and that affects us. It affects our freedom and the experience of life, the abundant life that Christ has for us. But then... Cody begins the chorus, and he sings, By your grace I have hope. You've already paid every debt I owe. Please take my chains and make me see that by your grace I've been set free. Are you struggling with a past you can't get past? Even though by God's grace you are forgiven... And more, in God's eyes, it is forgotten. Even so, you can't let it go. Receive the good news today and live into the freedom God's forgiveness promises. Because of God's gift of grace, your past is gone. You just have to receive it. Not only do you have to receive God's forgiveness for you, you have to learn to forgive yourselves. This is fundamental to experiencing the life that God has for us. And this isn't only for you, it's for others. Because if we're all caught up in our past, then we're not living a life that others see and go, wow, where does that freedom in your life come from? I mean, we live in a world of bondage, right? We just have to receive it. Here's how Paul puts it at the beginning of Romans 8. There is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. For God sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. 
And so if there's no condemnation for those of us in Christ, then we are able to let the past be the past. Let it go. Right now. Today. And may we do it not only for ourselves, but may we do it for those we love, for our children, our grandchildren, our nieces, our nephews. For I have to say this, sadly, as Amy and I, do you know that Amy and I have been working with youth on and off since 1988? That's a long, long time. But this is the hard truth of this. From when I, my days at First Presbyterian to my days here to my days at First Pres Pasadena, as we've done confirmation classes, I can't tell you how often that confirmation can be a door out of the church rather than an entry to go deeper in. Right? I have, <laughs> it's hard to admit, but I have former youth who are now in their late 40s. Don't do the math. And quite a few of them now live completely secular lives. But they made this profession of faith. I believe that it's our responsibility as the body of Christ to get it figured out, to do the work we need to do, to let God's grace have its impact on us in such a way that we live a life that others want to imitate, that our confirmands can see in us the freedom that comes in this world that expects perfectionism and everything being exactly right and you can only achieve and never fail, that instead of that, they discover that we are a welcoming community of broken people who acknowledge it, who are learning to be loved by Jesus so that we can love like Jesus. So parents, aunts, uncles, grandparents, today is the day to re-up, to once again put discipleship front and center in our lives, to let the past be the past and to no longer be haunted by it. We do this both for ourselves and for those that we love who are coming after us. For our greatest witness to them is when our lives convey the freedom found in a living and growing relationship with Jesus. And so in light of this, may we all reaffirm our faith today. And in so doing, experience the freedom that God's grace infuses into our lives, where our past is dead and gone, and we are empowered to live in that freedom. And so would you respond in faith today to the very questions the compromands answered? Who is your Lord and Savior? Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Do you renounce all evil and powers of the world which defy God's righteousness and love, do you? Do you renounce the ways of sin that separate you from the love of God, do you? Do you turn daily to Jesus Christ and relying upon his grace, do you seek to be a faithful disciple, obeying his word and showing his love to your life's very end, do you? Will you be a faithful member of this congregation, share in its worship, in its ministry, through your prayers and gifts, your study and service, and so fulfill your calling to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Will you? May it be so. And so as we listen to Cody Johnson's song, be reminded of and receive the promises that grace proclaims.
Receive the good news of the gospel by his grace. We have been set free. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.